Hey everyone, my name is Daniel, and today we will discuss the, the coronavirus vaccines, their mechanisms of action, and the recent mutant strains of the virus, and COVID-19 itself. We share the honor of having Dr. Rubina Azam on our podcast. Dr. Azam is not only a pediatrician with decades of experience, but, also, but, also, but is also a board-certified integrative medicine physician. So this is more than a unique opportunity. Uh, so Dr. Azam, thank you for sparing a slot of your busy day to come and talk with us. Um, how this will work is basically the main hosts of today's episode, Kelly, Zoe, and Annie will take turns asking the questions they have. Um, and it's essentially just an interactive conversational Q&A. Uh, and I think it's really important that we're having this very pertinent talk. And so that's all I have to say. And I'll pass it to Dr. Azam, who will give a quick introduction of herself. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me over today. Um, my name is Dr. Rubina Azam. I'm a pediatrician. And um, as you just mentioned, I'm also a, an integrative physician. And I have about 15 years of clinical experience. Um, this pandemic has been really difficult for everyone. Um, and it's, it's been challenging, but we're happy that now we have a vaccine. This is how we can fight this pandemic over. So thank you for having me over and feel free to ask me any questions you guys have. Okay, uh, thank you. And now I will pass it on to Kelly who will start us off. Hello, um, I'm Kelly and Dr. Zalm, we're so excited to have you here. Thanks for coming on. Uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about is the vaccine for the coronavirus or vaccines for that matter. Um, to start us off, basically how many coronavirus vaccines are there? Um, what are the differences between them, especially in their terms of effectiveness? Hi, Kelly. Um, thank you, that's a great question. Uh, currently there are two main vaccines that are being authorized and used in the United States. They are recommended, of course, by the CDC. Those two vaccines are Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine. Pfizer vaccine is almost 95% effective in preventing COVID and Moderna vaccine based on the clinical trials about 94% effective at preventing COVID-19. So it's pretty much same level of effectiveness for both vaccines, um, both Moderna and Pfizer. Okay, great. Um, just a follow up question. What are the differences between the vaccines um, according to their side effects, like the mortality rates and such like that? Yeah. So these two vaccines are pretty much the same, like I said, and they use the same technology, the messenger RNA technology. Um, it's the only difference at this time, you know, in terms of what they are with Pfizer, the second dose is recommended at the 21 days after the first dose and Moderna vaccine second dose is recommended 28 days after the first dose. As far as side effects, you know, like I said, they're both messenger RNA technology. They're pretty much the same vaccines um, manufactured on the same technology. So their side effects are almost same too, like nausea, feeling tired, flu-like symptoms, you know, body aches, stuff like that. Um, and then as far as mortality, there's really no mortality per se from these vaccines. There have been a few deaths, you know, after the second dose of the vaccine, but they are not caused by the vaccine. They have been mostly, you know, coincidental finding. So, so far we don't think there's any mortality associated with it, 
but side effects are common just like any other vaccine. Um, okay, wait, so just because of that, um, I've noticed that also for the Pfizer and the Moderna, there's like a different age approval. So like for Pfizer, it's a minimum of 16 and Moderna, it's a minimum of 18. Um, why is there a difference between the two? It's because it hasn't been studied. So, um, you know, one company studied and children 16 to 18 and one company did not study. But there are active studies, there are active trials going on where they're studying the vaccine safety in children less than 16 also. But at this time, at this moment, we are not giving vaccine to children um, even 16 to 18, unless, you know, it's strongly recommended by their healthcare providers. Okay, great, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Azam, for joining us again. Um, hi, I'm Zoe, and I, I was just kind of like listening to what you were saying about how some, some people died after getting the second vaccine and kind of thinking about the mortality of the vaccine itself. But also um, when you mentioned having the second vaccine, it also made me kind of wonder um, about the second vaccination itself, because there has been a lot of information just going, um, just like going around the second vaccine, um, or like kind of getting two doses for certain vaccines. Um, so, could you kind of provide some clarity on why two doses are necessary? So, uh, the reason we are, um, the reason Pfizer, Moderna, they're both recommending two vaccines. Uh, or two shots is just to have a very strong and robust immune response. Whenever we do the first vaccine dose, there's an immune priming that's happening. Okay, so your immune system is getting primed after the first dose, which is pretty good. You know, it's going to decrease your risk of getting severe COVID. It's going to decrease your risk of catching the COVID, but it's not 100% uh, immunity. But when you get the second dose of the vaccine, now your immune system is getting solidified. You see what I'm saying? So with the first dose, you got priming of your immune system, your immune system got stimulated. But now you want to maximize that immune effect and the second dose does it. So after the first dose, you get somewhere between 50 to 80% of the immune responsiveness. But after the second dose, you get almost 95% effectiveness of the vaccine in preventing COVID and definitely preventing severe COVID disease. And for this reason, we're recommending two vaccine doses instead of just one dose. Right. Um, kind of adding on to that, how long will the protection from each vaccine last? And mm -hmm. how does that kind of vary with um, the two vaccines that you just mentioned? Yeah, so at this time, we don't have long-term um, data on how long it will last. We also have some recommendations that we may have to get yearly vaccination just to kind of like boost up that immune response. We don't know exactly how long it will last, but we are thinking maybe at least two to three years. Again, this is not scientific. This is a new vaccine. We don't have long-term data on it. Uh, but there is a suggestion out there that we may have to get the vaccine booster dose maybe every year just to maintain that immune response to COVID infection. All right, thank you so much. Um, I actually have a follow-up question about um, kind of how it's carried out in terms of people having two vaccines um, 
like how is it carried out um, around the world or in the United States right now? So, you know, the vaccine rollout has not been as smooth as we wanted it to be. And um, right now, you know, a big percentage of our population has not been immunized, has not been vaccinated. But, um, you know, of course, the goal is to get everyone vaccinated. At this time, the priority is to get the essential workers, get the first responders, get the healthcare workers, the residents of nursing homes, long-term care facilities, the, and seniors, of course, older than 65. We need to get them immunized first because they are high risk. They are first responders. Once we have immunized them, then the next uh, step would be to immunize the general public also. Thank you. Hi, Dr. Azam. Um, I'm Annie, and I'd just like to say again that it's a pleasure to have you on this podcast. Um, and so my first question is, if I've already had um, COVID-19 and recovered, do I still need to get vaccinated? Yes. So due to the severe health risk associated with COVID-19 and the fact that reinfection with COVID-19 is still possible, the vaccine should be offered to you, regardless of whether you already had COVID infection or not. Um, and according to CDC, you know, we don't know how long someone is protected from getting sick after recovering from COVID-19. So it's important to get your vaccination, even if you previously had COVID. Awesome. And then on the wider scale of things, how important is it for people to get vaccinated in order to stop the pandemic? That's a great question. Um, so there was an open letter published in the Lancet Medical Journal a few days ago, and it talked about how developing new COVID-19 vaccine will fail to end the pandemic unless all countries receive doses in a fast and fair manner. Disease experts have warned and, um, you know, and vaccine stockpiling in the wealthier countries could only prolong the global health emergency. So it's very important that everyone gets vaccinated. And the more people uh, get vaccinated, the quicker uh, we can achieve the herd immunity throughout the world to fight this pandemic. Interesting. And then um, could you elaborate on the concept of herd immunity throughout the world? Yeah, so again, you know, the more people um, get vaccinated, it's just like if you don't have a vaccine, the way to fight a pandemic is that if, you, let's say you don't have vaccine, the more people get the infection, right, the more people survive it, the more people develop the immune response. Now, overall, the immune system of the community is stronger compared to the infection itself. Remember, the virus is constantly trying to outsmart us, right, to fight our immune system. So we need our immune system overall to be stronger than the virus. And we are trying to achieve that with the vaccination. So mass vaccination is going to promote herd immunity, which means immunity on a bigger level. And that's going to make the virus weaker compared to our immune systems. Thank you. Yep. Okay, now we're going to enter a new segment of the podcast, Fact or Myth. So we will just state a claim, and you, Dr. Zom, will say whether it is indeed a fact or if it's a myth and why. All right, so the first claim is the COVID-19 vaccine will alter my DNA. Is this a fact or a myth and why? This is a myth. 
and I'm sure you guys have heard a lot about it. There's, uh, you know, there are a lot of conspiracy theories going around and people are afraid and they're like, oh, if we got the vaccine, it's going to alter my DNA. It's going to turn me into a zombie or something is going to happen. Now, here's the fact. These COVID vaccines are messenger RNA vaccines. These vaccines are carrying a code or a set of instructions, okay? And the way it works, once this messenger RNA vaccine is injected into the body, it goes into the cell, okay? It gives the message and it, it's stimulating your body to make those spike proteins, okay? Now, this messenger RNA, the fact about the messenger RNA is that it never enters the nucleus of the cell. Because it cannot enter the nucleus of the cell, it cannot interact with your DNA, and therefore it cannot alter your DNA. You see what I'm saying? So there's no way that this messenger RNA is going to change your, uh, or alter your DNA. Right. Um, the second claim is, if I am pregnant and I take the vaccine, that will increase the risk of my baby developing a condition such as autism. Is this a fact or a myth? and why? That is a myth also. Now, autism is not related to vaccines. And I don't know how much you guys know or not. There has been a lot of misconceptions and a lot of controversies among general public about autism caused by vaccine. The reality is vaccines do not cause autism. And same thing for this vaccine. Now, COVID vaccine has not been tested in pregnant women. However, if a pregnant woman uh, is uh, requesting a COVID vaccine, she should not be denied. And again, the fact that it can cause autism, that is a myth and there's no uh, reality to it. Awesome, that's interesting for people to know. And then the third claim would be heavy vitamin and mineral supplementation, such as taking vitamin C or zinc, can cure or significantly reduce the risk posed by COVID-19. Is this a fact or a myth? Myth, again. So although these supplements like vitamin C and zinc and vitamin D, these are very vital micronutrients, they're very important for your immune system and the ability of your immune system to fight any infection, you know, it gets better when you're eating a good diet and you're supplementing with these vitamins. However, these vitamins do not mitigate COVID-19 disease or even the symptoms. So on a regular basis, my recommendation is always eat a healthy diet, you know, and if you're not getting some vitamins from your diet, supplement yourself. But the reality is that this cannot cure COVID-19. Thank you, Dr. Azam. Um, we're just gonna ask another round of questions, um, but going off of that point of the mineral and um, vitamin supplementation, it's really interesting because my, like my mother at the beginning of quarantine, when she was realizing like the news was like, oh, if you, you know, eat these vitamins, it'll help. She was like panic buying them. So I was just wondering like, how exactly like the CDC sort of the recommendations and everything and how the controversy around them is just sort of going sure. on with the people and the mass public. Yes, so I will tell you one thing about vitamin D. You know, vitamin D is actually the most studied vitamin so far. It's not just a vitamin, it's a hormone also. And vitamin D, you know, people who have low vitamin D levels, they actually have a little bit more severe disease 
just because it's so important for their immune system and therefore their immune system fighting ability may be decreased. So, you know, when we talk about these vitamins, remember your diet, your food should be the source of all these essential nutrients. But if you feel like, oh, my diet, I'm not getting enough zinc from my diet, vitamin C from my diet, or there's not enough sunlight for me to have enough vitamin D in my body. Yes, go ahead and supplement because we don't want you to have a low vitamin D level. We don't want you to be low in zinc because once again, these micronutrients are super important for optimal functioning of your immune system, okay? But I don't want anybody to think that just because I'm taking vitamin D and vitamin C and zinc, I'm immune from COVID and now I can go around and not wear a mask or not need vaccine. A lot of people do think that, oh, because I'm taking my vitamins and because I'm taking these micronutrients, I don't need vaccination. That is not true. You do need these vitamins, again, from dietary source first and then supplementation if your diet is not perfect, just to keep your immune system you know, functioning well, but to fight a pandemic off, we need to continue to promote you know, masking and vaccination and isolation and hand hygiene and all those things. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, thank you. Um, all right, so the CDC also recently recommended that people start wearing two masks in order to reduce the risk of COVID transmission. Um, based on what you know, is this a viable strategy to reduce obviously transmission? Absolutely, absolutely. So. Masks are the only way, in addition to, of course, the vaccines, to prevent the spread of virus. Um, and oftentimes, one mask is not enough to prevent the spread of all droplets from one person to another person. So it's common sense that if you're wearing two masks, that's gonna significantly decrease the spread of these droplets and therefore the virus from one person to another person. So if you can, you know, if you're in a place where you're exposed to other people and we never know who has COVID and who doesn't. So it's always a good idea, you know, if you can to wear two masks. Great, thank you. Um, and now I wanna sort of shift the focus to the COVID-19 variants. So the strains that were initially recorded in the UK and South Africa, um, how concerning are these strains and are they actually deadlier than the original one? Sure, yes. So variants are generally a very common phenomena in viruses, okay? Uh, it doesn't matter which virus it is. Flu virus, every year it's changing, okay? So, and that's why every year you have to get a flu vaccine because the flu vaccine from last year is not protecting you against the variant this year or next year, okay? So now the same thing is happening with the COVID virus also. We are seeing several variants of the COVID virus, you know, the coronavirus, which is causing COVID-19, and they are originating in different parts of the world. And to answer your question, yes, variants such as the one in UK or the one in South Africa, they are associated with a higher risk of hospitalization and also um, they're a little bit more contagious, so they are causing more infections. Um, so kind of building off of that, are the current vaccines effective um, against the new strains? So yes, so far um, from uh, the studies and the research, we know that the current vaccines are effective in uh, stimulating the immune system to fight all coronavirus, you know, all coronaviruses causing COVID-19. 
However, Pfizer and Moderna vaccines do exhibit slightly decreased effectiveness and potency against the strains according to a study published recently. Um, so the vaccines are effective against these strains, but there are some concerns they may not be as effective. You know, it may not be as 100% effective as it is uh, against the original strain. And that's why these strains are a little bit more concerning. Um, so aside from COVID specifically, what even causes um, like the mutant strains of any virus to appear? Okay, so all viruses mutate. Okay, that's a normal thing, you know, just like I mentioned for flu, you know, flu virus is mutating every year. And that's why you have a new flu virus every year, and you have a new flu, a new flu vaccine every year. Um, so whenever the virus, the viral copies reproduce, the offsprings or the new viruses may not copy all the genetic material in exactly the same fashion as the parent, and therefore the genetic code that is passed from the parent to the offspring virus may not be exactly the same, maybe a little bit different. And this difference of genetic code during the reproduction process leads to mutation, which in turn leads to variation. And that's how we say, oh, no, we have new variants. So that's a very normal phenomena. Uh, you know, the genetic code is not exactly passed the way the parent would want to pass it on to the offspring. Cool. And then let's quickly touch on the distribution of vaccines. So currently the COVID vaccine is available to the public. Um, so if you schedule, if you schedule an appointment, but when will it be accessible to young people and teens? Okay, so like I said before, the vaccine has not been studied or researched in children younger than 16. And currently the vaccine is available to first responders, healthcare workers, uh, residents of the nursing homes and seniors older than 65. Once they have all been vaccinated, then it will become available to general public, including children older than 16. Um, and like I said, you know, the vaccine safety has not been studied in children younger than 16, but currently there are trials going on and they're actively studying the vaccine safety in children. So once we have those studies, those results available, the vaccine will become available to young people and teens also. Awesome. And then who should not get the COVID-19 vaccine? Well, you know, at this time, uh, we are recommending COVID vaccine to almost everyone, except for if somebody had a severe anaphylactic reaction to the first dose of the vaccine. Um, I know there were some myths that, oh, if my immune system is not good or if I'm immune compromised, then we should not get the vaccine. But the reality is that, you know, unless you've had a history of severe and anaphylactic reaction to almost a lot of things, then you should not get the vaccine. Or if you had anaphylaxis to the first dose of the vaccine, then you shouldn't get the second vaccine. But at this time, you know, all high risk patients should be getting the COVID vaccine. Okay, those are all the questions we had, Dr. Zong. We deeply appreciate you making time for this episode. And just as an out outro, is there anything else you'd like to say with regard to COVID-19, the vaccine, uh, or anything of that nature? Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that you guys are doing this, um, uh, you know, you arranged this meeting just to get more educated about 
the COVID-19 vaccine, I would like for you guys to pass on the information to everyone around you. And remember, you know, you guys are not getting the vaccine at this time. So I would really want for everyone, all school students, teenagers to take their precautions. Sometimes teenagers think, oh, we're not going to get the uh, you know, we are strong and we are resilient. So just take all your precautions, always wear your mask, always eat good, try avoiding crowded places, try, you you know, make sure you're practicing the good um, hand hygiene um, and just take all your precautions. It's super important to protect yourself and to protect any older people around you. But I think you guys did very good. I'm very proud of you all for arranging this meeting and for educating yourselves. Right. Thank you, Dr. Zom. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Okay. Thank you, guys.